0: on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You drive me wild. <laughs> what up, Crazy
2: Train Radio? You look like hell, and I could look the same.
0: What's the photo for? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want
1: answers! I want
0: the
2: truth! You can't handle the truth! truth,
1: truth. truth
2: true i love scotch i love scotch scotch has got scotch here it goes down down into my belly what's it open
1: Say it. Say it.
2: Say it. say it, say it, say it, say it, say it, say it. Don't mess
0: with me, I'm one crazy moo
1: This is Adrienne Barbeau, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio.
0: Hey, folks, it's your least favorite host in the podcast world, the Croc, Jonathan Steele. Boy, do we have a good one for you today. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Boy, am I excited about this one. This next guest is born and raised in Sacramento. She is a multiple-time award nominee for awards such as Tonys, Golden Globes, and others over her extensive career. But we got her because of a newer book that was released. Greece, tell me more, tell me more. But obviously you know her from other projects. Please welcome Miss Adrienne Barbaro. Adrienne, how are you?
1: I'm well, thank you.
0: Well, since we got the new book out and I'm guessing it's a bit about a week or so we lost Miss Olivia Newton-John. So how have you been feeling about that whole thing? And I know you were involved with the Broadway show, but people know her from the movie and the soundtrack and such. So where's your head with when it comes to the loss of uh, Miss Olivia?
1: Well, I, I didn't know uh, Olivia. Um, I only really learned about her just this last week uh, with her passing. uh, Sounds like she was an incredible person and very much loved. And her work for uh, breast cancer was uh, valuable, really valuable. But um, I wasn't involved with the film at all and, and our paths never crossed.
0: Yeah, and like I said, I know you were involved with the Broadway show and such when things got going, hence the book and the anniversary and such, but the one serious thing we will go with, uh, since you mentioned about what she did for breast cancer and such, is, and I'm a survivor myself of a couple different other forms, is, if anything, please do your annual checkups and annual physicals, male, female, it doesn't matter. You know, just stay on top of your health.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Uh, I have a friend who's in surgery today. Never went to a doctor until, you know, turned out to be too, not, not quite too late, but yes. You know, get those, get those tests.
0: Yes, definitely. For sure. So, with the book, though, what has the, been the response been? Because there was a couple of you guys involved with putting this book together. So what have you heard feedback-wise?
1: Well, actually, more than a couple were involved in putting the book together. There were three of us who led the charge. But um, the book stemmed out of a Zoom meeting that the original cast of Grease had, right after the country went into the quarantine. Um, uh, It was one of my first experiences with Zoom and I was thinking, oh, you know, I don't think I'm gonna last very long with this. Uh, But the original cast and the director and uh, the producer and um, there were about, I don't know, 12 or 14 of us on on the Zoom meeting. And we started telling stories about our experiences, everything from our auditions to uh, the romances that took place on stage to, uh, or off stage to um, what it was like, uh, you know, doing the show for a long time and, and what it was like opening night when the reviews came in and they were bad and all of that. And what I thought was going to be an hour Zoom meeting lasted four hours. We were laughing and <laughs> crying and stories I had never heard because I I left the show fairly early on. The show opened February 14th of 72, and um, I left to do MOD in July. So mo- almost all of these stories were new to me, and... Um, I got up the next day and I started thinking, you know, this is a book. I mean, these stories are are incredible and remarkable. And um, I think we should get them down on paper. Because the show, of course, is, you know, a worldwide phenomenon. And, um, and so I ended up talking to the fellow who directed the show originally, Tom Moore, he directed the Broadway show, and then he directed uh, several of the national companies, the touring companies. And we enlisted the aid of one of our producers, Ken Waisman. And then we we got We 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 reached out to my agent, uh, my literary agent, and she said, "Oh yeah, I can sell this." And so. The book is a compilation of stories from over a hundred actors and musicians uh, and crew members who were involved in the early production of Grease. Some names you will recognize, John Travolta, who played duty in the first national company, and um, Barry Bostwick, of course, who was the original Zuko, Mary Lou Henner, who was the original, original Marty when the show was an off, off, off Broadway, much different (laughs) presentation in a trolley barn in Chicago. And um, uh, Peter Gallagher, Treat Williams, names you would know from television and film, and then other other actors who went on to great careers doing other things. everyone's, we we sort of set out a list of categories and said, you know, if you've got a story about your audition or if you've got a story about getting fired or getting hired or any, you know, and um, and then we put the book together and it's gotten great reviews and uh, it, uh, it's been out since June, it, you know, was... Uh, number one bestseller in movies or theater and musicals when it first came out. And uh, it's just sort of delightful, uh, all about how the show came to be. And um, uh, it's fun. And anybody that's interested, you know, and then, of course, we we released it for the 50th anniversary of the show. And the uh, the portion of the royalties uh, are going to the Actors Fund. So it, it was a great way to spend two years in quarantine, I'll tell you.
0: <laughs> well, Greece, Tell Me More, Tell Me More is out now. You can get it at all your usual suspects, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, all the fun stuff. But you mentioned there part of the royalties before we move on, go to the Actors Fund. And for those who wouldn't be aware of it, what is the Actors Fund?
1: Oh, <laughs> well, it's uh, an organization uh, attached to equity that provides support and help and uh, uh, to, you know, to any member of a- equ- equity uh, who might be needing it. <laughs> it's been around for a long time. And, and it's interesting, Jonathan, you caught me unaware. I've always just known what the Actors Fund—it's a charitable organization—and I've always just sort of taken it for granted. It started in eighteen in eighteen eighty-two, um, but it's a, a human services organization to provide the needs of the entertainment community. Awesome. And they provide emergency financial assistance, and they have workshops, and and in fact, for our 40th anniversary of Greece, they, we went, We all went back to New York and did a a, a, a performance, and the money went to uh, um, equity care, equity fights AIDS. It went to uh, support the AIDS com- the AIDS community, and uh, and so this is, you know, it's a. Uh, it's a good organization. I'll tell you that.
0: <laughs> yeah, but no, it's good that you are, you guys, not just yourself, are trying to do good, not only with the book, but you did that performance, like you said, for the 40th anniversary and such. So that's good to hear. So if folks haven't gotten the book, check it out. Please do so. But I'm curious to know, to dive into your background, where did the thought of keeping journals start for you?
1: Um, I think I was in fifth grade and I, I don't know, you know, what gave rise to it, but I, I started keeping a journal in fifth grade, you know, in those days it was like, um, came home and made brownies and, um, uh, so-and-so said he liked my hair, you know, as a fifth grader and, uh, Um, And then as my as my life progressed on, it sort of became a way of working out my problems, you know, and 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 at some point I could go back and look at entries that I had made maybe a year or two before and and see patterns and uh, and just get a better understanding of myself.
0: Well, and here's the other thing, and you probably already crossed this thought at least, but I'm sure most people notice you're a mama three, Walker, William, and Cody, and I'm sure these journals are good to have for them to be able to see and grandchildren and so on down the line. It must be nice to be able to retrospect to say, hey, I got these journals from different stages of my life that my kids and grandkids and everybody will be able to enjoy.
1: I'm sure there's stuff in there they're not going to want to read, but I have also kept a, a journal for for both the boy, the twins. I don't I don't know if I I don't think I I'd have to go down and look in my safe and see if I if I wrote for Cody, but I I kept a journal for the boys because um, and I don't do it much anymore, but uh, you know might be fun for them to go back and and read about what they were doing in grammar school in junior high and high school and then when time came to write my memoir um i thought wow i had this trove of of material you know but it was it was interesting because um i found that i i really didn't write about my career at all i mean i i uh the fellow who edited my memoir or my publisher came back to me after I had put it together and said, well, can't you tell us more about Maud? And, or, uh, I mean, I don't have anything written down about opening night of Greece. You know, I wasn't writing about those things. I would write, I was writing about my emotional life, I guess, and my social life and things like that and romantic life. And, uh, So it wasn't as great a source, although there is one story in my memoir, uh, (laughs) which I've I've titled The Rat Movie, which (laughs) which is about uh, my going to Russia to do a low budget film, Me and 50 Rats. and uh, It was a pretty hysterically funny experience. Um, And I did write about that in detail. So they came in handy uh, when it came down to, you know, writing my memoir.
0: There you go. But speaking of entertaining overseas, one of your early, I guess, things you did career-wise was entertaining troops on an Army basis.
1: Yes, it it was actually my first paying job. I was 18 years old, and I went over to what in those days was known as the Orient. You know, now it's Southeast Asia. We were in Japan. We were in Korea, right on the DMZ. I did write about all of that. They shot and the North Koreans, shot and killed three GIs who had been at one of our shows. Um, we were in uh, on an atomic testing center called Johnston Island that didn't allow women. To stay, we landed, we did our show, and we took off. Um, Okinawa uh, ended up on Waikiki Beach at uh, Fort Rutgers, I think it was. <laughs> it was a, it was three months of, of, a, of an incredible experience, a sort of a life-changing experience, uh, and we got paid seven dollars a day. <laughs> I still remember that.
0: <laughs> well especially at that stage of life at 18 years old and all and graduating high school and just things that go on at that time period in one's life. What did your parents say when you go, hey, I'm going to go uh, do this thing and we're going overseas and all that?
1: Oh, my parents, uh, were they've always been great supporters of of my career and and you know any choices that i made my parents divorced when i was 12 and and i i was raised by my mom and when i told her that i was going to go to new york to try and be an actress on broadway she would have rather me go to la because it was closer but they were they were always supportive and uh I don't know if she was excited that I was going for three months. I think I have a feeling she probably
0: was. Yeah, but I'm sure I'm assuming here, and we all know what they say about assuming uh, that when you went to New York and you were dancing a bit for a ma- supposed mafia run nightclub, that might not have been news that you would uh, call home and say, hey, guess what I'm doing?
1: Actually, that is one of the the, the things. Um, entries in my in my journal or else it was a letter that I found that I wrote to my mom
2: where I was saying
1: to her um, you know I, I although I, I don't know if they're I think they're connected you know but uh, no my mother was I mean if she had concerns if she had worries she certainly never uh, you know raised a red flag or, or said, you can't do that, and you've got to quit that job or anything like
0: that. Exactly. Well, you obviously did Greece, uh, You got a Tony Award for that, as well as Betty Rizzo and Don Fiddler I got on the the, Roof.
1: I got, I got the Tony nomination. I have yes. been win the award. <laughs> yes.
0: Thank you. So
1: An actress named Linda Hopkins went won for, and I don't remember the name of the musical, but uh, but, but I got the nomination. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, so you also did Fiddler on the Roof and everything yes. else, and you, we'll get into the TV and movie stuff in a minute. But do you have a preference? Because you're obviously still a working actress, you and I know in the email exchanges with your representative. You're doing voiceover work. So you've done so much, but is there something that you pref- prefer, as for, whether it's the voiceover work, whether it's the stage work or film?
1: No, there isn't. It really comes down. The medium is not what is it, as important to me as the role or the character. I mean, I love doing the voiceover work because it's it's not very demanding, you know? I don't have to get up at four in the morning and go sit in a trailer for 14 hours, and I don't have to put on makeup, and I don't have to make sure my hair looks okay. Um, uh, but I, 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 I do, it, it just depends on the role. It just depends on the role. The last stage role I did was uh, Pippin's grandmother in the National Tour of Pippin. And the reason I took it is because I got to sing a song hanging upside down from a trapeze, 15 feet in the air with no net and doing a whole trapeze number. That's not a role that you get to do very often at my age. Um, If I had my brothers, it would be a great role I don't know if it would be a great, I loved doing Ruthie in Carnival, which was like doing a movie, except that we got to do it for two full years, two full seasons, you know, but she was just a fantastic character, a fantastic role. So um, I'm not as comfortable doing stage anymore because I've got, I'm a morning person, you know, so I wake up at 5.30 or 6, no matter what time I went to bed. And when 8 o'clock rolls around and everybody else is going on stage, I'd rather be sitting down reading a book. But um, But if the right role comes along, then you take it.
0: Exactly. And obviously, I want to touch on the movie stuff and everything else like that, but I was just remembering, I guess it would have been – Last year in 2021, I went to an outdoor convention for a friend of mine and happened to cross paths with you. It was a quick hello and stuff, and you couldn't have been more pleasant. So I'm curious to know, when you do do conventions and stuff, because people would know you from Escape from New York and The Fog and things like that, Swamp Thing, do you enjoy getting to interact with fans on a one-on-one basis like that?
1: Yes, I do. I do. Um, it's. I, I never. I never put a word to it until a couple of years ago when I think I was doing a convention and I, I think it was Lou Diamond Phillips, and maybe it was one of the earlier ones that he had done. And he said, "You know, it's just so gratifying," and it's true. I mean, I, I mean, I, I like people anyway. i you know, I, I, and I and I enjoy getting to hear their stories although there's not much time when you're doing a convention but you know um i do i i like doing it <laughs> well, i like people
0: well is there a story that and i know i'm probably catching you off guard here but is there a story that sticks out off the top of your head that you, that really surprised you hey Adrian, yes. i like this or i like that yes
1: yes there there is One, Um, there are actually two that stay in my mind and they were fairly early on when I started doing conventions and I'm going to try and separate them in my mind. But there was one fellow who came up and said that Maude... The, the, the comedy show, that, the series that I did, Maud with B Arthur, had taught him that there were families who could yell at each other and still love each other. And he had never known that in his family, that all he had known was anger and rage, I guess. And he really clung on to our series for hope, I guess, <laughs> you know, that was one. And then there was another young woman who came up to me and I, I want I know it was on the East coast. And she said that again, my character in Maude, Carol, had, I don't know how did, she, how did how did she exactly put it? She had my name, tattooed on her shoulder, which was quite surprising to me. <laughs> um because she said that character in Maude had given her permission to be the person, the woman, the girl, the woman that she wanted to be, whether or not you know it was independent or divorced or gay or whatever it whatever she took from it she she learned from that character um and those two stories have always stayed in my mind um and then there was one other fellow although i didn't meet him at a convention i don't know why he was there but he was at a soccer game for my children and he told me that (laughs) an episode that I had done of uh, the Wayans brothers had kept him alive. He had had a a major auto accident and they, he was in the hospital. He was, they they didn't think he was gonna survive. And he just kept saying to himself, he loved the Wayans brothers. And he kept saying to himself, if I can just you know, make it through till the next episode of the Wayans Brothers. And that episode came on and it was, I didn't even remember the character or the character's name or anything, but he came up to me and said, you played, and I don't remember her name, uh, Oh, my, you know, and it was, the way he told the story was just like, wow. This is another example of how how we can use our 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 uh, industry and our talent to uh, to benefit people.
0: That's pretty awesome to hear. Speaking of Maud and be Author, I loved her. I wasn't a Golden Girls guy, but the thing that stood out for me with her was her cameo, I guess you would call it, in history of the world, because I am a die hard mel Brooks fan so i'd have to ask what was it like working with b and from what i understand she was you guys had a great working relationship but she was truly a mentor to you
1: she was she was fantastic she was the penultimate professional uh comedian i mean nobody like her uh very giving loving she didn't suffer fools you know if 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 you weren't doing the work or if if something wasn't right she she would put her foot down but um i i and i've said this many many times before i sort of took it for granted because i had never done television i've never worked with a cast or anything like that in tv series and so it wasn't until I went off to do guest stars on other series that I realized how incredibly giving she was and how the, the show was the most important thing. B was not the most important thing, uh, the show was. And so anything that she could do or that any of us could do that would make the show the best it could be was what she was interested in. Um, We, it was like, you know, I had six years of not going to work. I had six years of going to see my adopted family and laughing and having great fun and, uh, and just sharing a lot of love.
0: Well, speaking of another entertaining person and, You obviously know him quite well and is the father of Cody, Mr. John Carpenter. So what can you say about John, but also working with him? Because obviously you were involved with several of his projects like The Fog and Escape from New York. And you had this personal relationship, but you also had a professional relationship. And could you separate the two? Like
1: when you guys went home? You went home. We had a professional relationship before we had a personal relationship. I met John when he hired me to play um, the first gay woman on television, I think, in his uh, television film, Uh, Someone's Watching Me. And so I knew him first as a director and I trusted him completely. And uh, he gave me one of the best pieces of advice Uh, I had ever received up until that point of acting advice I had ever received up until that point. I started my career on stage and I started my career doing musical comedy, which is a whole, you know, fairly large approach to acting. And then, uh, and then even when I was doing mod, I mean, we did it like a play. So, uh, you know, you're, 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 you're working a little larger than life maybe. And um, when I got on the set with John, we, one of the first scenes we did, he came over and he said to me, that was great. That was great. Let's do it again and just do less. And I said, do less. And he said, yeah, yeah, just do less. And it was like the proverbial light bulb. And all of a sudden I thought, Oh, okay. I get it. This is, this is, you know, let the camera do the work on this one, you know, and you don't make it as big. Let the camera do the work. And so, so, you know, I knew him first as a director. And, I mean, I'm sure it's one of the things that attracted me to him, as, uh, or attracted him to me, attracted me to him as, uh, as uh, a man that I wanted to, you know, have a relationship with. And so then when we went to do the fog, we had just gotten married and we were both going to be very professional. You know, we took separate hotel rooms. We were on location. We took separate hotel rooms and we, we did the first day's work. And he came, up, he came up to me and he said, I'm not having any fun, you know, because we were trying to be so professional. We didn't want anybody to think he was going to treat me differently than anyone else because i was his wife and so he said okay let's just you know let's just do what we do and and truly doing the fog we only had one difference of opinion i've told the story again about a thousand times but um, um we came to the scene where uh, the the piece of driftwood has just caught fire and, uh, you know, or it's dripped it's, it's water, I guess. I don't remember. It's been so long since I've seen the movie. I think it does catch fire. Yes. And then I put it out with the uh, with a fire extinguisher. And it was seen immediately succeeding that. And John said, OK, sit down and let's do it. And I said, Sit down. Oh, John, I don't think she'd sit down. I, 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 that, that, that's, she's too anxious. She's too nervous. He said, Okay, stand up and let's do it. And that was the only difference of opinion we ever had as a director and
0: an actress. Well, you also had an opportunity to work with another legendary director in Wes Craven with Swamp Thing, mm-hmm. and everybody just loves Wes for his work throughout the years, missed dearly, and. Do you have any real fond memories that stand out of Wes?
1: You know, I guess I am, how do I say it? I am fondest of what he was able to accomplish under really difficult, bad circumstances. Um, He wrote a wonderful screenplay We got on location and the producers just kept pulling the budget out from under him. So he had to keep rewriting. He had to eliminate scenes. He had to eliminate characters. Uh, We didn't have a makeup trailer one day because they hadn't paid the rent. There were crew members who were going to jail because they were doing something they shouldn't be doing. It was a really hard shoot. And somehow, It didn't give me the opportunity to spend a lot of time with Wes away from the set because we were working 14 hours a day and then he had to go see dailies and and prep for the next day. And he was a very gentle man, uh, very supportive, but he had his hands full. And the fact that the movie came out as good as it did is... Only thanks to Wes, in my mind.
0: Now, I'm sure you talked about this before, but with this particular project, there was a little bit of a... Shit disturbed, I guess is the best way to put this, because uh, there was a scene that made the American DVD, but it was for only the European release and all that stuff because of a new scene. But is what were you told going into this particular kind of scene? Was it, was what, because I think Wes, from everything I heard was totally respectful, rightfully so. And he, did they say, Hey, we're going to do this for overseas where it's more liberal or, because obviously you weren't looking to catch flack from the Bible Belt, or different places for a particular role, if that makes sense.
1: You know, I have no recollection of any of it, and I never even knew about the brouhaha of, about the, it appearing in the American version until I guess it was some mom who rented it from a, a, a blockbuster and and for her son, and then no, she brought she brought it to the forefront. Um, I don't remember. I have yeah. no idea. I have no idea, um, uh, and I don't even remember talking about it at the time. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I,
0: no, it's, no, it's fine. It's it yeah. You know.
1: It wasn't. It wasn't. You know. I'm not even sure if I knew that they were that it was only going to be in Europe or that it wasn't going to be. I don't. I just don't remember. Um, I remember years before that, my first television film was uh, Houdini with Paul Michael Glaser and um, Sally Struthers and uh, Vivian Vance. And My agent at the time called and said, got an offer for you. This is what they're paying, and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. I said, great, that's great. And then he called back, and he said, well, they want to do a a semi-nude scene, you know, from the waist up, I guess, for European release. And, uh, you know, we need to get your approval, and what do you think, and blah, blah, blah. And I was just so... (laughs) I was just so concerned that nobody see me from behind. <laughs> uh, that yeah, I said, well, okay, so it's got to be this and this and this and this and this. And then I hung up, and my boyfriend at the time, who had heard the whole thing, said, "Wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> We're gonna." And I don't know if I can say this on TV, but I mean on radio. But
0: you I, could say he, it.
1: <laughs> he said, "You're gonna show your tits, and you didn't get any more money. <laughs> it was like, what kind of an agent is this?" Fair question. <laughs> you, I do remember that, but I don't remember anything about
0: swamping. Hey, fair question. You know, at least cough up (laughs) a little more money. You know, it's only fair, you know,
1: I I just wanted to protect myself. I didn't want anybody on the set that didn't belong there and that kind of thing, you
0: know, no, no, totally get that because they, and I've thought about this with other guests before there's riders and you, it's, you know, you got to protect yourself. And that's definitely uh a good thing that you were looking out for yourself, but that is kind of funny with a boyfriend.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: at the time, but you know,
1: very practical. Inside.
0: Yeah, no, I, like I said, I can't blame the question. Hey, should you get more money? Totally, but uh, the one other guy I want to ask about before I let you go is Tom Atkins.
1: Oh, I love Tom. Oh, uh,
0: <laughs> he, he, he. I had a chance to yeah you know, talk to him a few more minutes at that same show I crossed paths with you at and talk about it. He's such a genuine guy and very nice guy. Now, he said, it was funny. He said to me when we were talking for those couple of minutes, he goes, I can't believe that all these people are here to see me. Like he was genuinely surprised.
1: He had a line, because I remember, I know which one this is. It was the first one we did after the pandemic. It was outdoors. It was Incredibly windy and 95 degrees. Is is that you guys were
0: both? Yes. You guys were both troopers, but
1: we're next door to each other. Yeah. Oh, Tom just, well, you know, everybody loves him. He's, he's fantastic.
0: And and when you talk to him, it's, you could see why everybody loves him, you know? Yes. Yes. But, you worked with he's him one on a of my, couple.
1: He's, he's one of my best friends he's the reason i i do the conventions usually i mean my first question we have we share the same uh convention manager and my first question is always well is tom gonna be there because <laughs> if tom's not gonna be there i don't know if i care about going but if tom's gonna be there that's another reason i want to go so <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know it's funny you say that as far as being one of your first questions And I know folks who do wrestling conventions, horror conventions, you name it. And that's usually one of the coolest things I hear is they'll ask if so-and-so is going to be there because they have that personal relationship. So it's great that to hear that, that you have that camaraderie. But I mentioned earlier, before I let you go, you're doing some voice work. Is there anything you can talk about?
1: Um, well, right next, next week in New York at the Museum of Modern Art, they are screening a film that I did two years ago called Unearth with um, Mark Lucas, uh, so, but that's something that's, you know, that was done a while ago, but it is, they're screening it at, at MoMA in New York. So I'm going to fly in and do a little Q&A afterwards. Um, I just finished doing two animated films. Um, uh, what do they call uh, Superhero animated films, which I can't talk about yet. I just finished doing another video game, two video games or one? Another video game, which I can't talk about yet. Um, I have a couple of horror films in post-production. Um, the last TV show that I did was, um, Cowboy Bebop, uh, on Netflix. Um, and in between all of those things, I do video captioning for the blind. I do the narration of the action on screen that's taking place in between the dialogue for all your favorite TV shows, uh, movies. Um, and that's, that's one of the reasons I, you know, I've had to reschedule with you several times because uh, we're sort of at the mercy of the television production company when they need <laughs> material, you know?
0: <laughs> so I've heard. <laughs> so obviously like i said and the reason we we do appreciate the time is the newer release which has been a selling like hotcakes i should say is greece tell me more tell me more talking about the anniversary of greece the broadway play
1: and may i say one other thing um if anybody needs to know what else is going on um uh, my website is probably the best place to find me uh uh, www.a.barbo.com. but I'm also on instagram as Adrienne underscore barbo and my Instagram posts end up on my Facebook page but i don't I don't use my fake Facebook page ever since you know politics got so
0: yeah yeah we can't um, go there. <laughs>
1: but um, they can find me at adrienne underscore barbeau on insta or abarbeau.com
0: and obviously we will put links to that the book on amazon and barnes and noble but Adrian barbeau thank you so much for the time
1: thank you
2: Is truly exciting and so glad that they are starting to make a positive impact. Little Bean Sopery is a woman owned small business based in Northeast Pennsylvania. Little Bean Sopery does so much as all products are handcrafted and offer many different things for both men and women soaps, scrubs, body butters, bath bombs, solid cologne, and much more. Little Bean Soapery also does things for special occasions such as birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, and special seasonal gift sets. But also, let's not forget large orders for party favors by request. The great things about all products is that they are crafted to be nourishing on the skin. If you wish to check them out, please feel free to visit littlebeansoapery.com. Any questions, please feel free to also email littlebeansopery at gmail.com for custom inquiries and or ask anything else you wish. Tell them that Elena from Crazy Train Radio sent ya. Hey there, it's Alan Troutman, Charman from Return of the Living Dead. And if there's anybody you should listen to, it's me about listening to Crazy Train Radio. Go do it. Go away. Do it now.